Here's what we're going to do. You ready? I'm ready. Let me get this. Although I'm consciously eyeing the security person who's going to try to ticket every car in this area. No, not them. Oh, it's not? No, that's actually security. They don't give a shit about tickets. Oh, I like them a lot better. Yep. Okay, good. Here we go. We're back. You like this one? I do. Got any guesses? Nope. I did. Uh, little... Charlie Daniels. Uh, no. No. A little further north. Oh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. See, we will introduce our guest in just a little bit, but he's definitely fully aware of who this guy is, which is hint number one for you. Hint number two. I've played other. Yeah, I know. Tunes. It's, it's a Michigan guy, and I, I, God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am so bad at this. Fire Bob Seger. Lake. Bob Seger. Bob Seger. Yes. There it is. And I didn't get any other clues other than I had to comb through my foggy brain to get to yeah. all the great Michigan artists out there. That There's <laughs> a lot. I know. You know, as opposed to our last guest, which well, our last guest is technically from here. So I can't believe you didn't go with Kid Rock, your favorite. I thought he was your favorite. Kid Rock? Yeah. Uh, Shania Laya, Ding Dang Dong Ding <laughs> Kid Rock, <laughs> whatever. Sorry, that's not true, everybody. Is Kid Rock from Indiana? No. Oh, oh, you're talking about for today? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. There's there's a whole long list of people, artists from Michigan. Yeah, that, Michigan's. Sorry, Indiana. Uh, but Michigan. I mean, how difficult was that? I thought about that last night. I was. Uh, we were. I told you the <clears throat> easy out is Jackson Five. I don't know if you could hear me. Yeah, or not, but because I, I was in the middle of nowhere. But saying Jackson Five though is from Indiana is like saying. I mean, it, it's just not relevant because they didn't do their work there. They might have been born there. True. But their yeah, careers we, and everything occurred in other cities. That's true. And we digress. But quickly. But that was. I love this tune, by the way. Yeah, it's good. I love it. Here it is. It's even louder now. It's like, it's good. Boom. Right? Aces and eights. I like the honky-tonk piano. I love it. That's no, that's one of, you know, it's one of those things. I told you that um, clearly growing up in a rock and roll household, I knew who Bob Seger was. Knew all the hits, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I never really got into the albums, the B-sides or the C's. Yeah. Um, my dad didn't have them. So we didn't, we, it wasn't in on rotation. Hmm. And it was that armchair expert with uh, Paul Rudd and, and Dax yeah. Shepard, right? Dax is from up, what, Six Mile or something. Yeah, he's, like he's on the north side. Yep. And they were having a debate over uh, Bob Seger versus uh, Springsteen versus mm. other American rock and roll writers. And Dax was towing the line. And I, I, I've said it before, I, and I'll get hate for this. I don't get Springsteen. I, I just don't. I, I I don't like his voice. I think it's chintzy. Someday, but, but but you will disavow the CCP and understand how important <laughs> the boss is. I listen. I understand his importance. I get that from a cultural <laughs> standpoint. I get all that. I, I've heard he's an amazing live performer, and you know him and Obama are now best friends or whatever have their own podcast. It's great. But I would ten times out of ten would choose to listen to Bob Seger over Bruce Springsteen. So I'm with Dax on that one. I'm I'm cyclical. So like right now, I agree with you. Give it a year, 18 months, and I'd probably go back to Nebraska. But I probably need to listen. I, unlike you, I didn't grow up listening to albums. 
I just didn't. We just did, that wasn't a thing. My mom sang gospel music and in wind, the house. <laughs> the wind so. chime was your family record. <laughs> no, I mean we had music, but it wasn't eclectic. It wasn't just you know a bunch of different artists. It was very heavily bent on the Christian side of things, the gospel music side of things. And I and I say gospel, I mean like four part harmony, barbershop style gospel music. That's what I grew up on. So when was the first time you listened to let's say Iron Maiden? Uh, post college, post grad school, probably. Ozzy, same. Really? I mean, I heard, I, I knew who they were. I just never sat down and listened to, to any of those. I mean, did you artists. ever like try? I mean, living out where you did, did you ever like sneak to go get the Marlboro Reds with other no rednecks? No, I was terrified. And... I was terrified of hell. Really? Yeah, and my mom. Well, technically. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm not gonna. Go yeah, it's just it, it's just different world. I I I every time I listen to you talk about this, mm-hmm. I actually not regret it because I didn't. It wasn't really my choice necessarily, but I do kind of. Dang, that would been cool because I I hear people talk about just sitting down and listening to an album. I've never. I don't think I've ever really done that. I think we should have like a family intervention. All these years later. Yeah, I, I'm in. Bring, every, I love bring everybody I mean, to the table. I went to school to be a vocal music major. I, we'll just music sit them here for me. and I'll run through a playlist yeah. and say, what did you not like about this? Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I didn't and will have a she chance re- to will, not will, like. will they reply, it's the devil's music every time? Or is there going to be like a thought out answer? I d- no, there won't be. No. All right. So now that we've completely <laughs> wasted a lot of people's times, <laughs> time, um, want a quick uh, recap Last episode, we had Mr. Kevin Robson, um, STL boy, uh, played at Chaminade, two-time state champ, two-time national champ at Indiana University, and now he's the associate head coach at Indiana and the basically the director of recruiting, so he's traveling all over the place, checking kids out. Uh, It's a really cool conversation because it was less um, give us timeline stories, it was more he really kind of got into the, uh, uh, the the who, what, why, you know, when they recruit, who they're looking for. You know, he even mentioned, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about it today with our guest today, um, you know, we were getting into the academy versus high school, and he pointed out straight away, he's like, hey, you know, we got three kids coming in that played high school soccer, you know. And a lot of people in our market right here would be like, that's not possible, right? You can't play, you got to play academy if you want to go to Indiana. Well, he said it on air. Uh, that's not true. So, cool. what he didn't say, and I and I didn't get a chance to ask because, as I mentioned before, I was in a an area of the country that's difficult to get service, and didn't want to sound awful on the on the on the show. How many of those kids played for an academy level club prior to joining their high school squad? Yeah, I mean, because I, there's got. I mean, it's totally possible. But I, I think. But I think that. You know, just some nuance that I think, not to give credence to the concern of the all the of the academy parents out there. It's not that. It's just that implied almost that they had never had any formal kind of club training. They just played for their high school and were just these amazing people. Which maybe I just you don't see that very often anymore. And at a level like Indiana, I would just be curious to know if those three guys. Decided. Oh, we've well, already been draft, you know, picked up by Indiana, so we're going to go back and play for a high school now. Well, I, I think what I gleaned from it was, yeah, sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm sure there's a lot of like uh, nuance or gray area to those three players in particular, as far as what their path was. 
or is currently right on their way out the door to IU. I, I think the the moral of this story for me is you just really focus on yourself as a player. What's a good fit? Look for the care or focus on the characteristics that a lot of these coaches are saying over and over and over again. In as far as like what they're looking for from a character standpoint, uh, from a class, you know, personal class, not your class, um, you know, because a lot of these schools have very different needs from style of play to, well, frankly, what position is available. Well, know? and I'm going to get into this with our guest. I have an assumption that in my world of corporate crap, and and higher ed is, prior to that is that your professional <laughs> yeah that's my uh, take on yes. your your job that at a fortune 50 it, the company. same principles apply to college recruiting which is you need to know somebody and i my guess is that there are very few kids who submit a blanket resume to a school get recruited it happens i'm sure but i would imagine the majority of the coaches we've talked to have said they were advocated for by their high school coach or their club coach or an alumni or they had to get on the radar somehow. And it wasn't just because they were top score for their high school. Like there's gotta be more than that. I I totally get it. Uh, What I want to do is talk about one thing real quick, and then we're going to get right back into this topic and roll our guest in. Love it. Um, The whole messy mania, right? Yep. Uh, With the, his announcement coming to MLS whole nine yards. Um, we are actually, this is really funny actually, because Jared talked to me about, uh, me personally, am I a capitalist first or am I a soccer fan? Yeah. I just, I just listened to the intro. Yep. Right. So, uh, so today to poke the bear, (laughs) I listed our tickets and immediately these super funny guys in the STL city fan club page, which is just loaded with just an immense amount of soccer knowledge. Yes. Yeah. Tons of it. Um, I don't know. You would have thought that I was like the pariah. I mean, it was, they were pissed that I was trying to sell my tickets and I didn't put a price on there. I'm like, look, if you're legitimately interested, PM me because I saw what was going on in SeatGeek and truth be told, I was offering 50%. I'm like, look, this is stupid. We know that he's not going to come, but fair market value for my seats is going to be this and take it or leave it. They lost their minds. Like... And I even had a few friends of mine like, really, dude, are you doing that? I'm like, if you want to buy them, I'll sell them to you at fair market value. Um, It's the fandom here is it seems as if they're just constantly on edge. It's 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 even worse than that. It's constantly looking for. Pariah is a good word. They, They always want to find somebody to bash whether it's a GM or a player or a media person or whatever, there's, it's, it's just the troll mindset and it's not unique to our fan page. It's unique. It's not unique at all. It's just, that's the way the social media culture has become that you can't be happy about anything. You have, there's gotta be some ax to grind all the time and you just have to be careful. And it sucks that it, it is that way, but unfortunately, I think I'm just going to start listing all my tickets for like seven thousand a piece. Well, I'm going to put the post, just just so I can, you kind know, of revel in their frustration. You know what value is? <laughs> what somebody's willing to pay for it. So 
I mean, if somebody buys them for that, that's kind of on them. Yeah, and little do they know, two of the tickets did sell for that game, and the woman was literally like, oh my God, thank you for being fair with this. And I thought about screenshotting her, thank you nah, for being it fair. It wouldn't have mattered. Like, you know, they would have called her like a, 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 a groomer or something, you know, like it, it wouldn't yeah, have mattered. It was like, they would have found her and then gaslit her into believing that you scammed her. I know. Like, it's just not worth it. Nerds. <laughs> All nerds. We need to move on because I'm going to get angry and I don't want to be angry right now. We do. Check this out. Here's what we're going to do. <laughs> oh, another one. Another one. We are rolling in our guest just hot. We're going to pr- play a little Bob Seeger here for him. He's happy he gets it. Our guest today hails from the great white north of Michigan. Bob Seeger's home. K- apparently Kid Rock's home too. And Eminem. Um, Marshall Mathers. Everything Motown. All that. Uh, has some of the most beautiful golf courses in America, probably in the world, for two months out of the year. Because <laughs> the other 10, it still has snow also on. also has one of the best breweries oh. in the whole area in the Dog and Pony Show. You tossing a little family shout out a there? shout out. Well, here we go. We're, we're going to go right back into the, the X's and O's of the college player life expectations performance and everything because our guest today is mr kale wasserman s-i-u-e now you're on there we go. <laughs> thanks for having me yeah thanks man having me, no thank thank you for pointing out my production <laughs> deficiencies uh i'm muting our guest it's gonna come in handy in about yeah five minutes, man you want to mute me <laughs> no it's all good dude thanks for joining yeah, us thank you Appreciate it, and I'm going to let everybody know right out of the gate. Uh, officially, one of our top three guests, without uh, even knowing how well this episode is going to go, because he brought us swag. That's right. Uh, I think we've only had two, two. And yeah. you, you remember the first one uh, from uh, Capelli? Oh, three. So, so three. you're our third. Okay. Yeah. So the first one was Capelli, Kip Thompson. Yeah, Kip Thompson Kip. hooked us up and with then, some. And uh, then was it Bill? Nope, it was it was scarfs as well. It was from our friend, the coach, Mr. Terry Mickler. Oh yeah, Mickler, mm, that's the right. legend. Yeah, we have the CB, we have shout a CBC. out Jack Edwards, former yeah. Uh, yeah. CBC player, SIUE grad. Yeah, he, uh, he, he Terry Terry did it. Now you're you're not as old school as Terry because you don't actually have a notebook here with you. <laughs> I got the notes uh, app. That's a new <laughs> that's a new trend these days. Oh really? Digital. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Now, Terry was, it was such a cool experience for me because I, I mentioned this, I think, after the show. Talking to people in that mindset that, that constantly are taking notes, always making eye contact, mm-hmm. never looking at their phone while doing a, a, a conversation. I suck at all those things. <laughs> and so to be in the presence of someone who even with the stature he's gone through or has and, and, and the experiences he's had to still do that with, with us, mm-hmm. that just shows the type of character that, that lasts. And it's just, it's just fun. So thank you very much, Kale, for bringing the cougar scarf. Cougar swag, baby. Like it, man. Yeah, Terry Mickler, you don't get to 12,000 wins by accident or whatever he has. <laughs> yeah. Holy moly. That guy. Yeah, no, I mean, I think his, there was a player on his first team had social security number that was like 37. <laughs> Like, really kind of incredible. <laughs> so, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah. We've uh, we've been um, 
We've been really lucky to be able to talk to a number of other uh, uh, leg- legend coaches, uh, D1 coaches. Um, you know, in, in really, we don't we don't lean into the weeds. Um, you know, we we know that you guys all have, for the most part, good solid records. Your high quality programs. Uh, we really like having you guys on because of what we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of leaning into. Um, the culture that you, uh, as the head coach, that you bring to the environment that uh, you look to instill in your team. And, you know, we're really curious as to kind of the mental process you and your associates when you do go to recruit, you know, the things you're looking for. So, and, you know, let's just start there because we were talking about that earlier about the whole high school versus academy, et cetera. You know, just for, for somebody listening, for a family listening that maybe has a high-performing player or, or, or a kid that is actually cool enough to, to listen to a podcast like this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what, what are some of the things that you look at just kind of generically, you know, when you get out on the road and you're looking at players, uh, what, what are some of those characteristics that are, 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 you know, front of the line? Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of coaches will talk about the four pillars, the psychological the tactical the physical you know one of the things that's my favorite thing to do in recruiting is watch a kid whose team is losing you know if, if you go to a game and they win three nothing and he played well and everybody's feeling good and he looks the part it's it's easy but if you happen upon a game where a kid happens to go down to nothing in the first half for me that's one of the most telling situations of you know, can this kid handle the the tough moments? Because college soccer is not easy. You've got academics. Sometimes you're away from home. The girls, the, girls, the distractions, the the playing time. The dagger in. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> it's about three minutes from my house. Um, but but yeah, you you get to see an idea at least, or or some semblance of an idea of how is this kid going to react when things don't go their way, and so it's for me, I love seeing kids multiple times. Um, it's always a huge positive. If you have someone that you trust that has, like you mentioned, you got to know somebody, it's not necessarily that you have to know somebody, but certainly it helps because if you have a coach that you, you know, you have mutual player references, he's, he's coached your players before, or, you know, he knows how you like to coach. He, he, it's more relatable. And so it's, uh, you know, I heard Derek Burton on here. One of the things he was talking about was communication and how, how players talk and how they say what and when. And, and that's certainly a massive, important factor. I also think there are some kids that lead in other ways. And maybe they, they're a little more quiet, but they're tough. You know, they're mentally tough. They're physically tough. Um, so the, the overarching word here is culture, what you, what you brought up. And I think at the end of the day, it's, it's such a vital piece. You know, I've been fortunate to to play in some decent teams, but, but, um, also be a part of coaching staffs as both a head and assistant where we've done well and made some runs and gone to some championship appearances or, or won some tournaments and regular season. And I think that word is connected to any team that I've been a part of that's been successful, um, is having a good culture. And it's sometimes is can seem like an undefined, an undefined word at times, because there is some different ways you can have a good culture. Um, certainly having good internal leadership from your players at the end of the day, I always tell my guys, like, you're the ones that move the needle, you know, I'm a 
broken record at times with the things I say. And if you want to get things done, it happens in the locker room when I'm not in there. And yeah. right now, actually, we have two St. Louis kids, uh, Alcide Kassan and Sam Gomez, who are two captains. They'll both be seniors for us. And couldn't be more excited. We named them captains in January. And I love our team. I love our program already. But I think with them being named captain and, and becoming a more tangible role with that, um, saw some awesome changes within our group, within some team team rules that they set in the locker room. Posted on the wall. I walked by one day. I said, what's, what's this over here? You know, and glanced over. Is it, is it their Ted Lasso moment? There, they, they there's some like, of that. There's some of that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't screw up. Believe, you know. <laughs> right, right. But again, it just it was it was not from us. And for me, that's what was important. Is is I saw some guys just taking onus on them to say, look, if you want to be a part of this group, you want to do the things and and reach the goals we want to reach. You know, th this is how it's going to be. And like I said, I mean, a coach can talk to their blue in the face, but until players are leading each other and leading themselves, it's uh, it's a moot point. So. Um, yeah, you know, we look for, for players that can deal with adversity. Obviously, you're going to look for technical and tactical and good decision makers and, and, you know, guys with good conditioning and change of direction and, you know, uh, understand the soccer IQ, quote unquote, you know, of how you want them to, to play. But uh, more than anything, it's, it's guys that can handle the tough moments because times get tough on the field, times get tough at training, times get tough between games and injured injuries is one of the biggest things that you, that you in a condensed college season, it's like, how, how's this kid going to handle having to, to, you know, miss three games with a sprained ankle and then have to try to come back. And not only that, then win his spot back. And some of that mental stuff is, is, uh, it's hard to put on a black and white notebook. You have to have you know, a keen eye and know what you're looking for a bit. But again, knowing someone that knows the kid on the front end is always helpful, but We've also had kids, you guys talk about academy versus non-academy. For, for me, it's, it's uh, everyone has their own path, but we've had some kids from both ends of the spectrum um, do well. I mean, I have a former player that playing, starting every game in MLS. He's, he, this, uh, he's um, been called into the national team, played for a small club in Michigan called TNT, never played the day of academy soccer yeah. in his life. So, so talk a little bit about, <clears throat> excuse me, you, you came... You came to SIU in 19, is that correct? 2019? Yeah, yeah, January, February of 19. So I'm kind of looking at uh, the path. You were, you were at S SVSU. Mm -hmm. um, why SIU E? Um, what, drew, what drew you to this market? What drew you to that team? So, you know, I want to go back a little bit in time and set, set the stage because, mm -hmm. you know, those, was, those of us that grew up here, we know. Uh, what that school has done, mm -hmm. you know, in the game, for the game, the players that have played there. Actually, one of our early guests was Ed Gedemeyer, yeah. you know, yeah. on, on that national championship team. Yeah. Um, so talk about, you know, a little bit of your path and uh, when SIU became an option, you know, talk mm -hmm. about that transition. Um, well, I'll start, I'll start from most recently because uh, my former boss at Michigan State, Damon Rensing, um, St. Louis <laughs> U High. Yep. Uh, we know him. Yeah, so Damon told me that my soccer IQ would go up 10 points just <laughs> by living in this area. Just by being around 10? people from St. Louis, ten. I don't know Seems what it was. Low. Yeah, I, I, so, yeah, I thought it's out of a, a fifteen-point scale. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay, I was exactly. thinking more of a twenty-point scale. So we all know the the St. Louis and Metro East and this whole region, um, the soccer history and everything behind it. You know, uh, I was not. We were knocked out of the NCAA tournament and penalties by SIUE when I was at. I was going to bring State. that up. 
Yeah, thank a you for bringing moment. For, yeah. yeah, yeah. Wait, wait for the right moment. <laughs> yeah, twenty sixteen. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It was like a thirteen round PK shootout um, when Mario was here, and he did a great job laying the foundation. There's well a foundation well before that as well, but inherited a, a solid program from Mario Sanchez. Um, but I actually came here in would have been. 04 or 05 when uh, Ed Honecky was was coaching sure. and um, I was playing at, at SVSU and we came down. It was one of the years SIUE went to the Final Four, lost in the semifinal. It must have been oh, it was 04 or 05 and it was hot and there was people on the berm chirping me all game. I was playing in the midfield. There was a megaphone yep. and um, the quality of play was great. At SIUE, I've you know, growing up, I played for the Michigan Wolves, so came down and played oh, yeah. Gallagher a ton of times and tournaments down here. So I had always been uh, aware of the the soccer down here. The had a lot of mutual connections, um, friends, and and uh, you know former coaches or coaches that I knew. I you know when when uh, Kate before Kalish was at SLU, I I started coaching. God, what year was that now? Two, two. I don't even remember. But I was at Lewis. I started coaching. I was a GA at Lewis University, and Hell so yeah. that was you know. that was on my top. Well, they recruited me, so they okay. gave me an offer too. Um, it was just in a weird location. Mm -hmm. Yeah, know, south of the city, airport on campus. But I was fortunate yeah. to learn a lot from Evan Feifels as a mentor and a friend of mine. And um, you know, he would tell me about the bat. It, I didn't coach against SIUE in those two years because it was the two years, it was the year they just went to Division One. But, you know, he was telling me about, you know, the battles in the GLVC and, um, you know, obviously I started to know some people connected down here with recruiting, came down to the CBC tournament when they still had it. Um, when I was ba back then uh, recruiting for Lewis and got to know this area a little bit and then on to SVSU and Michigan State and now here. And, um, when I got the opportunity, we went to the Final Four in 2018, which was the year yep. uh, Mario moved back to Louisville to, to work with Louisville City and got the opportunity to in interview. And I, I basically, my she was my, uh, we were not married. I can't remember if we were, we were just boyfriend and girlfriend at the time, but yeah, I don't even think we were engaged. But I basically told myself I did not want to leave Michigan State for two, unless there was two factors to consider is... Uh, a place where I thought we could com compete for championships every year in and out, you know, conference championships, get in the NCAA tournament, make runs. And then secondly, a place that I wanted to live long-term and uh, did my research, came down, interviewed, was fortunate enough to get offered the position. Um, and I still strongly believe those two things. I mean, I think I could live here till the, for the rest of my life in this area and really excited to be competing for a championship in the new OVC men's soccer conference, yeah. uh, which oh, is yeah. starting up. And, that's exciting. But yeah, that's kind of a little bit of the background about how I learned well, about the program. About, yeah. Talk a little bit about your, your SVSU days, because what I understand as a player, you had some success, mm -hmm. but you had more success with them as a coach mm -hmm. than as a player. And you really turned that program around. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously Wikipedia is not going to give us all the the details, but what do you accredit that to? Because obviously you went from Saginaw, Saginaw Valley <clears throat> to Lewis mm -hmm. and then back. What did you learn in that journey that you could take back to your alma mater and kind of kickstart a program into a, a, a really a powerhouse for mm -hmm. that, that, that conference and, and set yourself up not only for that role, but then moving up to Michigan state 
and then to your own head coaching job. Yeah, yeah. Um, one, I was fortunate to, to be able to work at my alma mater. It's a special thing to do, anyone that's done it. Um, there's really nothing like it in the, in the coaching world. And, and we had a lot of, uh, I made a lot of my best friends in college. I had a lot of memories, but the on-field success at times was, uh, was not as frequent as I would have liked. Um, sure. you know, got some individual awards, some all conferences and that, but we, uh, you know, I, I was recruited by one coach. My first week of preseason, my freshman year, he left. We got a new coach during preseason who I had for two years. Going into my junior year, got another coach. And then the year I stuck around and was a volunteer, there was another coach. So in my five, maybe six, if you count the recruiting year, six years there, there was four different coaches. And so we were, uh, JB and I were, were talking a little bit about, you know, the longev longevity of coach, especially in this area, you see with some of the high school coaches, oh, yeah. it's amazing. Um, but to be able to build an identity, and that's what I think SVSU really lacked, um, you know, prior to my opportunity to take over was an identity. There was a lot of piecemeal tactics and players and recruiting. And I think uh, with my experience at, at Lewis, it was a very tough-minded, defensive, organized counter mentality. I was more of a possession-style midfielder, but I had a little bite, and I tried to kind of combine a little bit of that. And I came in and um, took over a program that was struggling. And I'll give all the credit in the world to the players that that dealt with me. You know, I was 26 years old. I was learning a lot along the way, but also, uh, you know, I had a goalkeeper that was 26 and I was 26. So I was really trying to separate myself and lay a, a strong culture. Um, you know, we fought every day at training and competed for every little activity and drill and the guys bought in and I had a, a great AD and, a, and an SWA who had my back on pretty much everything I tried to do there and, you know, was fortunate enough to, to really turn things around. We won some championships and honestly, uh, of all that, I had one of the most rewarding coaching days of my life about two weeks ago where I got to officiate a wedding for a former player from no. SVSU. Oh. And yeah, we had five guys from the team standing up in the wedding. It was literally one of the coolest days of my life. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah it was awesome. So let's let's go back a little bit to uh, Darren, you know, joking with you about the IQ bump. Uh, Damon, Damon. Da oh, Damon. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, here, here's here's my question mm -hmm. because you you've been around the region. Uh, you played at Wolves, in which obviously you butted heads with Gallagher, etc. Uh, I really just want to get your take on now that you've been here for uh, approaching four years plus. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what what do you really see within uh, the soccer culture here because you know Zach and myself and a lot of our guests that are from here we don't we don't know how to describe it we just know that it exists mm -hmm. you are uh, you know you're you're an outsider you grew up in Michigan you played Michigan ball you played uh, universities outside of the area and now you're at one of the you know the the, the premier uh, uh, locations teams within the metropolitan area here mm -hmm. Um, talk a little bit about like if you were to describe um, the, the the pros, the cons, what sets our region apart. You know where where in your opinion is the secret sauce yeah. that, that allows uh, programs like SIUE, like Gallagher, like SLU University, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think sets us apart from other regions? Well, one of the coolest things. Um is, is the generational, I would say, separation of, of the passion of the game here. I mean, when you're in Michigan, and this is my, you know, my, my, my mom and my stepdad. So my dad's a little different. He grew up in Argentina. You know, he was, he was born there. He lived in Venezuela. So it's a little different with him. But um, my, most of my family that, 
you know, has been in the United States for a few generations and most of the kids I grew up with, you don't hear, you never heard our grandparents talking about the game. You just didn't. They didn't have, your grandpa didn't play, you know, in the CYC and, and play uh, for Kudis and have all these championships. And here, I mean, I went to that, uh, um, the Missouri, the St. Louis, the oh, new museum. The Hall of Fame? No, the, yeah, the new museum. Oh, History the History Museum. Museum. Yeah, there you go, the History Museum, the new exhibit. And like, you, you don't see the, the timeline of when I think soccer really became huge here it's just it's a generation before most of the rest of the country in my opinion and i just think it the passion is deeply rooted in the in the genes of some of the players and the kids because they grew up watching their grandpa play and then their dad play and they were ball boys and you know i think some of the clubs even in, in other parts of the country it's just a generation behind and so the people that are that were coaching me or the people that were coaching those coaches when they were kids didn't have the knowledge the expertise um so there's certainly there is something to and it's a very passionate very uh strong willed mentality of the people around everyone's proud to be from it's, st louis it's called arrogance yeah i didn't want to say it but no. <laughs> yeah you can say it so it's no, interesting we're fine with that. you can say it. <laughs> I, I, I don't know i've talked about this before but my first experience with soccer my dad grew up in a small town south of the city mm-hmm. south county actually in jefferson county and so the locus of where that 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 bubble goes mm-hmm. actually is pretty small within mm-hmm. the St. Louis region. Yeah. Because my I grew up like you did. I didn't my grandparents didn't know what the hell soccer was. Right. My dad didn't even know, but he coached with my my neighbor who was a Malloy who grew up in North County and been playing for generations. My first day of soccer practice, I had knee pads and white baseball cleats there you go <laughs> so we've all seen that kid in the tryouts <laughs> yeah. too that 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 was me that was always the kid i wanted to hang out with because they you know <laughs> yeah. he probably had the marble reds <laughs> no. Oh, but no i but i think it's such an important part and not just to talk you know and and you know inflate the the egos of more people around this area around the soccer side of it but i think it is interesting to me to hear that commentary coming from somebody who played against kids and and still recruits kids and still plays against people here in St. Louis. Um, How does that impact you on the recruiting side as you're looking at, okay, so I have, you know, within a 60 mile radius, I've got a pretty pretty good crop of of kids I can go after, Mm -hmm. but I also have the international. Mm -hmm. I also have, you know, the transfer window. I also have all these other areas. How does that impact your style of recruiting now that you're the head coach for a D1 program? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there are, one, there are so many good, talented players around here playing at different levels, different clubs, um, whether it's academy, non-academy, high school. Um, you know, some of our top guys over the last couple of years and well beyond that are from St. Louis or Metro East. And, you know, at SIUE specifically, we've got some great international academic scholarships. So that helps us kind of reformulate some things and expand our reach. But certainly, I mean, we've got guys from, you know, St. Louis area. Um, We have an Edwards, Edwardsville kid who just came back home after playing two years at Tulsa and then came back home to us, Connor Gramke. Um, But we've got kids from Peoria, Quincy, Chicago, you know, the region is strong here. And as a player who I can't, you know, it's, 
maybe edge of the region, but I'm a Michigan guy and I feel very strongly about the talent in this region. Um, well, here's how we can define it. What time zone did you grow up in? I was Eastern. Uh, see, that's a different region. Yeah. I don't know though. <laughs> I mean, technically, are you Midwest? Would you say this is Midwest? Michigan's different. It's no, so right. freaking no, cold no. there. No. Okay. The yeah. That's one of the, that is one of the reasons I do love it here is, is, uh, the winters are, are much less, yeah. much less harsh than so back home. Midwest has four seasons. Mi Michigan has, uh, Michigan has four seasons a, a week. Michigan <laughs> yeah. has four seasons a week. You wake up and it's hot and it's cold at nighttime. It's snowing. So I do have a follow up to what you just said because we we've talked about the international piece, mm -hmm. but what's the delta in your time invested in recruiting someone from the international space? Mm -hmm. Meaning you got a kid who is in England or in Venezuela or whatever. Or you talked about going to the CBC tournaments back in the day. Mm -hmm. Now you can go to the showcases. You can go to these different places. How do you identify, first of all, the international talent? Because mm -hmm. there's so much. And then how do you judge it? Meaning, what do you do? You, is it mostly film? Do you ever travel? I would, yeah. I'm interested in that process. Yeah. Well, first off, I think for us as a staff, and this is something we discuss a lot, is we always want to have a core group of guys from our you know, call it a 45 minute radius. Sure. Right now we've got guys like Jacob Bilyeu, Sam Gomez, Al-Sadiq Hassan, Bobby Pauly's coming in, Danny Fisher. So a lot of guys from around here. But one of the things that, and it, it possibly has something to do with the way I was raised. I mean, my mom lived in Venezuela and Singapore. My dad lived in Argentina and Venezuela. Grandparents, don't even get me started. It's like all edges of the, the globe. Um, but I do think there's something about the cultural experience exchange between domestics and internationals in a locker room over a four year span and just something that is very unique. It's, it's more like a professional setting at times when you add in some, you know, Spanish flavor, some English, you know, we have an Australian, we had a German, we had an Israeli two years ago. And it's, it's a little bit of a cultural exchange where if you're in the locker room where everybody's the same, yes. Identity wise, playing style wise, it could be great. But I look at it from more a little bit of a holistic standpoint of life experience. Yep. And I mean, we have guys uh, that after graduation, I you know, I connect with them or see Instagram pictures and they're visiting alums in Switzerland and yep. they're doing things that you just don't do if you're playing with the same kids that you played with in club your whole life and celebrating different holidays and eating different foods. And so there's something very unique about adding players from different cultures and religions that's that's a new yeah. exposure to some of these kids that have grown up in you know in a catholic high school where everyone does the same thing every <laughs> yeah. week and n nothing <laughs> against that but it's a new experience and exposure to this stuff that at, at this day and age is a a special thing to share you know blood sweat and tears you know on the soccer field with someone from you know, Iraq right now, like, like Sadiq, he, you know, he went to high school here, but he brings a complete different yeah. experience than Love someone, yeah. someone else. And so that's, that's awesome. And, you know, we do have a few staff members that can help share the load of recruiting. Um, you know, we've got assistant coaches that can spend time going to events locally or regionally, including myself and our assistants. Um, I travel abroad, I have connections abroad. Um, it, it, it's always important to, to watch video 
as diligently as possible to get a great idea, but it's always going to be better to see kids in person. So there is a little bit of that with the internationals. You don't get to see them in person as much. Um, We have had some success with the transfer portal with internationals because you have a, a bit more of a real world test of how kids will translate like Paul Palacin he's, he's uh was a senior for us unfortunately he only played seven games last year due to injury but he had five goals in seven games and had he stayed healthy you know he could have been a, a true difference maker for our complete season but we were able to watch him play in the ACC and start every game as a freshman and that is relatable to us oh, we, yeah. we know every kid in that <laughs> league we could watch 15 games of his on video so right. it's not like we're watching, you know, one video, you know, a six minute highlight tape and making a decision on a kid. <laughs> but yeah, you got to do video in person, get references, um, and you have to split your time as you see fit based on the year, you know, different needs, different positional needs, different scholarships available. Well, well let me ask you this, though, in regards to the recruiting process mm-hmm. um, with the um, kind of the quality of the play at the academy levels and, and, you know, and similar, it's really, really accelerating. I mean, you're seeing these kids at a younger and younger age being taller and faster and mm-hmm. quicker and all this is, it's happening sooner than it really has, ever has. Mm-hmm. How, how far back, like when you have your, your war board, you know, and there's names on that board, are you looking, you know, because I've talked to a few people offline and, they're looking as far as like three, four, five years out as prospects. You know, these kids that are, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are you in that same camp or do you try and keep it to what have you done for me lately? Let's look at your two year package of work or both. Yeah. Well, being that this is the soccer dad pod and uh, my son is four years old and he, he's is he already on your whiteboard? He's the youngest kid at the SIUE soccer camp right now. <laughs> and if you're looking for a kid who loves duck, duck, goose and chasing yeah, butterflies right? in between shots, he's your guy. Um, but no, he's been awesome to have at camp as well as all the other little guys and girls running around. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, as early as you can. I mean, I would say for us, we probably start watching, I would just call it the high school age group. You know, yeah. we're not watching younger than that. Yeah, too because often. I mean, and we understand that. I mean, clearly there's rules mm-hmm. that you can't engage. You can't, you know, there, there, there's, there's a line that cannot be crossed, mm-hmm. but with film and, you know, you were talking about that earlier. And the only reason I'm asking about how far back do you go? Because so many of these kids, these next great things, right? These prospects based on, you know, Instagram accounts and everything else, you're able to see them seven days a week. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always film clips, etc. Is that making your job easier in preparation for the recruiting cycle? Or is it just adding noise to the process? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. I mean, the reality is, is if you're seeing them that often, so is every other school that you're competing with. That's one. The other thing is there's kids that are late bloomers. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I had a kid at SVSU. He was not recruited anywhere. Um, He was a defender. We changed his position. He developed. He ended up being a first-team All-American National Player of the Year, Division Two, and he, no one knew who he was as a senior in high school. It's it's crazy. And there's kids now with us at SIUE that are similar, where they get overlooked because they're not a stud at 15 years old, so they don't get the the early offers. And don't get me started with women's soccer. There's been some rules changes by the NCAA to help slow some things down, thankfully. But I mean, a couple of years ago, volleyball, soccer, women's sports, for some reason, I mean, they were 
getting commitments from well, freshmen. Se- yeah, seventh, yeah. eighth grade. Know, it's crazy. So that slowed down with some rules changes. But, you know, for us, uh, there's, I would say this, there is a definitive line of difference between the domestic timeline and the international timeline. The domestics, it's much more traditional. The timeline you would know, like high school years, you start making contact, you know, you're seeing them at camps, you're going to their games. It's a longer process usually with the communication. A lot of the international kids, they don't know what the NCAA is until they're 18. I mean, they, they are, they're playing. We have kids on our team from that have played in Man City's Academy, Burnley's Academy. Um, we had a kid from St. Pauli. We had a Barcelona kid, one of our goalkeepers the last couple of years. Um, and they just, they have dreams and aspirations, just like every kid down the road playing for City. You know, they want to sign that first team contract. Right. And at 18, when they don't get it, that's when maybe they get connected with an agency. They have to make a decision to either go play in the lower leagues because in, in Europe, in South America, the NCAA is very unique. And for every American kid, especially if you're listening to this, you are very fortunate. I was very fortunate to play in a system that you can get an education, play in professional level facilities. And when I say professional level facilities, the college facilities over here, and I'm even talking D2, D3, NAIA, it is better than a lot of pro teams right. in other countries. Yeah, you've seen levels. the Luton Town. Yeah, it's amazing. And my former <laughs> assistant coach, Michael O'Neill, he's the head coach of hey. NIU Women's. He was a Luton Academy player back in the day. Yeah. So, you know, it's crazy. That stadium, you're walking, you go up a guy's <laughs> ladder up the side of his house and you're in the stadium in the Premier League next year. It's crazy. It's awesome. All right. Well, here's, here's what we're going to do. Check this one out. We need refills. We do. Little Detroit Rock City is going to roll us out. Um, We're going to be right back with more conversation with Kale after we get some refills down here at Urban Chestnut Midtown. Shout out to John Shine and the team over here. You know, if if you like beer, just just come here. It's good, Zach. I agree. It's my favorite. I mean, I I have to be honest. This place, actually, the Grove is my favorite place to, to drink beer. The beer hall. The beer hall, just the long tables and yep. the noise and just I, just, I just love it. I would say this. If you are in the mood for great beer, choose Urban Chestnut. Then your second choice is if you want smash burgers, come to Midtown. Come to Midtown. If you want some of the best New York style pizza anywhere. Go to the Grove. Go to the Grove. Yep. Simple as that. Yep. We'll Easy. be right back. I'm Max, and I'm nine years old. When I'm not playing soccer, jumping on a trampoline, or playing Xbox, with permission, of course, I listen to the Baked In Podcast with Josh Allen. Josh talks to some of the most incredible business leaders in St. Louis. From Maxine Clark of Build-A-Bear to Gerard Kraft, the chief flavor officer for my favorite team, St. Louis City SC. There's something for everyone. If you're interested in the secret sauce of success, check out the Baked In Podcast. Now, back to those old guys. We're back. We're going to stick with the Michigan D-Town music theme today. We could have a whole show just... Totally. Yeah. I think we need to do a spinoff. 
of just this stuff. It'd be fun. Right, Name that tune. Yeah. I mean, there would be like three people listening. Me and probably, well, actually nobody else. It'd be one person listening. I'll check it out. <laughs> I'll check. I like the music. We'll, we'll pick We'll pick a city. And that's, yeah, that's what I'll do. Maybe do, do that. We can like do uh, cross up a city and their musicians. I don't know. Something like that. Whatever. And some hometown food. Home tofu, yeah, yeah, we can, yeah. yeah Some like, Detroit Coney dogs today Detroit. would be a good one. So, have you been to Mom's Spaghetti? No, I haven't. I mm. Lafayette Coney Island, though, rings a bell with uh, some of this this music here. Co- well, yeah, Coney, wasn't there like a, isn't that a chain, small chain up there? So, it's weird. The Coney Island is more of a, it's not a, there, there is a chain technically, but a Coney Island is more of just a place that has, there's a lot of them that are not connected, but they're also, there's Lafayette, there's Kirby's, there's Leo's, so, but they're not affiliated. So explain to me what that, what. A Coney what, Island, if you go to a Coney Island in Michigan, um, Metro Detroit especially, you're going to experience brilliance. I'll start with that. So okay. it's very cheap. Okay. <laughs> a lot of the hometown people there will eat Coney dogs, which is like a dog, chili on top, onions, mustard. If you go to Lafayette, there'll be a guy that rolls out with like 32 conies across his arms, all in plates and like slide. It's an amazing thing. Wow. But like Greek salad is a big thing, like chicken wraps, but it's all like, you know, $8.99 and you get like this awesome yeah. meal. It's, it's, it's like a, it's like a little diner, but it's, it's very famous in Michigan. Like yeah, everybody we, loves conies. I, I, okay. I've been to it a couple times cause, uh, I had family that lived, um, uh, Kego Harbor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. there in the, uh, up by Woodward. Yeah. Um, you know, they had businesses up there and um, it, it was the food. Cause Shout was, out White Stripes, Kego Harbor. Oh, yeah, yep. exactly. exactly. Uh, actually, true story. I had a cousin that uh, got into a little bit of personal problems with uh, substances and was in rehab and was one day we were out on the lake with him when he was, you know, in good graces with the authorities. So we went on the boat to on uh, the Lake Sylvan. Okay, yeah, Sylvan, yeah, yeah. And we're in that little sandbar, and up comes this other boat, and it's got a loud radio, just doom, doom, doom. It's going, and everybody's like, who the hell is that? And my cousin's like, oh, that's my friend from rehab. And we're like, oh, cool, yeah, who is it? Pulls up, it's Bob Probert. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Are you kidding? No. Bob Probert? No. Oh, my God. Big hockey guy. Yeah, I'm not Arguably the most Black dangerous Black. man ever in the NHL. Played oh. for the Red Wings forever. I mean, he won how many Stanley Cups with the Red Wings? Yeah. Like three? Four? No, Probert. Yeah. Was he? Was it not Darren McCarty? It was Bob Probert. Bobby for sure? Probert. Okay. Yeah, he was. Yeah, there used to be a t shirt that said, Give blood, fight Probert. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was a murderer. <laughs> Came up and used it. I mean, I remember looking at the dude. And, and, and you know, when you meet guys like that that are like the tough guys, you always look at their hands because you're like, oh, that's the thing that does all the damage. And there was no hand. It was just the, it was just a chunk stump? of meat. Yeah, it was like a stump. Yikes! Oh, crazy. Anyway, I, we digress. No, so I want to. We're, we're talking about geography here. Uh, you mentioned a couple of towns up in Michigan, and hmm. my family spends every other summer, if not every summer, up in Charlevoix. Mm, beautiful. And that is one of my favorite places in the country. I just, it's so. I don't know. It's just such a cool area. Have you have you spent any time up there? Like. Traverse City. Yeah, so one of my best friends um, who stood up at my wedding, he's from Trinidad. He lives up in Traverse City. Um, but the lake, so when I was growing up in Metro Detroit, I was not like a, a lake guy. We didn't have a cabin up north. I right. just wasn't in that scene um, that much. I had some friends that were. So 
you know, got to go basically anyone that would from Michigan, from where I'm from, there's a term, you're just going up north. Yep. Okay. Oh, yeah. So like where I went to college in Saginaw, <laughs> that's probably the line. Like, Would you, well, once you exit the Detroit city limit, you're up north. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but there's a, there's you a get term to Pontiac, it's, you're up north. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's not just Michigan. Minnesota has the same term, uh, it, but it's, it's unique enough. That when I when somebody says going up north, I know exactly what they mm-hmm. mean. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Saginaw. Yeah, and so in Saginaw, I met a lot of people that were coming down south to college from up north. Yeah, from Gaylord. You talked about golf earlier. I mean, yep. uh, Garland Resort. My one of my friends from college used to take us up their thirty uh, seventy-two hole championship rated course. Um, but Charlevoix, you got like Lake Charlevoix. Um, obviously, all around Traverse City, there's Crystal Lake. There's mm-hmm. a million of these crystal clear. And if you're not from Michigan, look it up. I mean, the UP is another world, the upper peninsula, yeah. um, iron mountain. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, I've been up there. Yeah. Um, but there's these lakes that are, God, is it called spring fed? Per, forgive my ignorance, but it is crystal clear. Yeah. They're all natural. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's amazing up there. Some, I mean, it cost about $7 million <laughs> to get a house on the lake, but um, I... Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, th- there's a place called Pictured Rocks up in the UP. That's amazing. I mean, it looks like something out of, uh, you know, the coast off Croatia or something. It's like 200-foot cliffs that change colors because of the minerals. It's it's awesome. I've been up there with my with my wife, and yeah, it's uh, up north in Michigan is a special place. And like you said, it's about two months a year that you mm-hmm. can enjoy it. Otherwise, it's Siberia. Well, it's two months a year um, kind of before the sun sets because then the bugs come out. Mm, mm. Um, I believe that it, they're not called mosquitoes up there. They're actually like small dragons. <laughs> you know, <they're> t- <laughs> it's so bad. It, it, because what comes with water, beautiful water, are... <laughs> Uh, well, freshwater, or, yeah. freshwater specifically. Yeah, yeah blood-sucking yeah. demons. Um, <laughs> no, nah, it's cool. I love it up there. Um, so, yeah, but then you decided, like, oh, it's so beautiful up here. I'm going to move to <laughs> the desert <laughs> armpit of the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> it's still driving distance. We, we, like I said, we were in Holland, Michigan last week um, for a wedding, and it was awesome. We, My son, he's, he just turned four, and as nice as the weather was, Lake Michigan was still probably, like, I don't know, 45 felt, yeah. felt like 40 nah, degrees that's that's a siberian but he wanted to jump in it 20 it times yeah i'm like i'll watch he's like daddy come on I'm trying to be a good dad i'm jumping in you know freezing well let, let's uh let's, let's let's skip back to a little bit of soccer here because um you know i'm really curious as to your take um this is a common theme in our show mm-hmm. uh with city sc um, you know, St. Louis, we talked about it earlier. You, you were, you were well aware of, uh, kind of the pedigree here and, and, and the history and traditions, et cetera. You, you've taken over a program that is, you know, embedded in that story mm-hmm. of St. Louis soccer. Um, you know, and in, when you came in, the announcement of the team and everything, uh, happened while you were here. So you've, you've been front row kind of watching what has transpired, uh, from an MLS front mm-hmm. with the ownership group, with uh, the stadium and, and the player selection and kind of how they've been building the academy and what City 2 did last year, mm-hmm. because City 2 was obviously playing over at SIU for a number yeah. of those games as well. Um, kind of what, what's your 
What's your cheap seat view opinion of of the team of the of the kickoff? Uh, you know, what do you think this 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 program this this uh, organization is going to mean to the region in the long term as it applies yeah. to soccer? Yeah, first off, I love it. I'll just be upfront. Like I've never been a big follower of specific teams. I've got a few kind of slight favorites that I that I tend to lean towards, but this is the one of the first times in my life where I've felt very connected to a team. I mean, my son was months old. I don't know how many months, but he was a baby in diapers and he went to the announcement when Taylor Twelman <laughs> was in town. We got invited. I actually you mentioned Kip Thompson earlier. I think yep. he was the one maybe that connected us at the time, but we went to the the announcement uh here in St. Louis and I've got pictures of him in there when they announced that that a franchise was coming and you know from the was top o- over at Urban? Uh no, it was in the God, it was in this little this very cool little uh, event center. Oh, I don't know exactly. The how one it. that was down on uh, Washington. Yeah, it's like in between all these yep, condos yep. and stuff. It's, it was. It was Windows on really, Washington, wasn't it? Was it uh, Windows on Washington? I'm not in, sure. It was in one of those showrooms. I know. Yeah, it was really cool and um, you know big event and we were there from the start and got to kind of see them build and then obviously they hired Lutz who's done an amazing job. Um, you know with his his time in in well all over the world but like you know he talks about. You know his time at Hoffenheim and some of that, and then hiring, you know Bradley Carnell. But Hackworth, I think, did an amazing job last year uh, with City too, and you know, not only just kind of, you know, laying the foundation of the club on the field, but also, you know, with some of the two guys, but then implementing a few first team guys slowly. And it is they they do have that rock'em sock'em type play. But what I give them credit for, because I think. When a lot of people talk about, you know, the high pressing or how how quick they go to goal, I don't think they get enough credit for some of their creativity. I mean, they they do some exciting stuff, some combination play. They're they're fun to watch, in, in my opinion. And and uh, there's there can be debates until people are blue in the face on style. I think they've got a perfect balance and a clear identity of how they want to play and. You know, Klaus has been out for a little while. He's he's a huge piece, and they've, I think they've managed without him. Um, you know, I think they miss him, but they've managed without him. He's such a big piece of how they play. But uh, they're a fun team to watch. It's exciting from the ownership, um, even the branding. It's so unique. The the city red and and all that, but, <laughs> but the lighting in the stadium. You mean dark pink? Yeah, whatever you yeah. want to call it. It is. It's bright and it works. And and uh, when. When you see it on a jersey kind of by itself, you're like, oh, that's interesting. But when you see like the lineup photo or you see them on the field or you see if you're inside that stadium and you see the, oh, the yeah. lights go down and the, the red oh, all around the same, it's amazing. unbelievable. Yep. Um, so uh, I love it. I'm, I'm excited. I watch almost every game, which, I, you know, there's only been a few teams in my life that I go out of my way to watch every single game. Um, but it's fun. It's fun to be around. I, I love watching the youth set up, but the coaches – in my in my experience with them not only very good coaches but really good people Um, they've been open to our staff to go watch training they've been communicative about a lot of stuff that i think certain staffs are very closed about and i think it's a beauty of our game is is ideas are shared and and um i've i've enjoyed getting to know some of those guys and watching some of the players you know get implemented slowly you know the young kids going up and down from training in city two up to the first team the youth academy kids going up to city two it's it's a really cool thing to be near so uh, random question but you you kind of brought it up in the the context of rooting for a team and supporting a team 
I have a lot of friends who have moved to St. Louis from other parts of the country, mm-hmm. from Chicago, from Florida, from New York, from wherever. The cool thing for them was they felt like they could finally have a team in St. Louis they could support without being disloyal. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that way? I mean, were you a, a big, you know, uh, Red Wings and Tigers and Lions guy, or were you just like, whatever? I've Detroit. never really supported. I mean, I've always followed a ton of sports. I was never really a Lions guy. I love Barry Sanders, though. Oh, um, yeah. but he was God. Yeah, he it was, was tough yeah. growing up. You know, you just. I mean, I I had some other NFL teams I kind of liked. Um, Red Wings won. Uh, a couple Stanley Cups when I was in like middle school, the Pistons won. So I always followed those teams, but I was a soccer guy and we just never had, we never had a team at the highest level. I, I worked for, I was talking to you guys off the the mics earlier about Detroit City FC, which was a, a very fun project that I was a part of and coached for a couple years. That was awesome to see um, from the ground up. It was built NPSL. Well, even before that, for those that don't know, it's a team in Michigan that's now um, USL championship, but it started as a, a club that was playing co-ed soccer. It was, it was seven, like a pub league team. It was a pub league team that the owners are amazing people. They, they were trying to bring Detroit neighborhood communities together. So if you were a part of a team, you had to be like 80% of your team had to be from like, you know, a certain mile radius within the city limits. And then you could bring a couple guest players and, uh, they would have these post, league night like bar nights from the sponsors and it just grew it exploded and they were like hey we got something here and they were some one was a real big soccer guy and then the others were just soccer enthusiasts not really players and they they was a good mix of ownership and they built that up and so I was able to be a part of that and see that and then when I moved here kind of saw some of the same little bit of glimpses of being an inaugural team and, and mm-hmm. you know, a style and everything else. And uh, it's been so fun to be be around and be a part of and to have such a state-of-the-art stadium, I mean, so close. And, and all credit to all the other teams in this area that came before them as well. I mean, STLFC did an amazing job when they were, um, when they were in operation and, and that was awesome too. It's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a delicate conversation I think around here at times because (laughs) sometimes it's hard to coexist, um, at the, at a good level. Um, but I do think that they built a a good foundation as well of a a fan base that has kind of now transitioned over and they developed players and gave kids opportunities. Guys. I mean, a lot of our alums had had trained or played with them as well. And, you know, it's a, a little bit of a progression and now, now you have one of the most exciting teams, arguably in MLS history right here. It's really cool. It's been so, fun. So, so how how much of uh, uh, you know, just from a uh, uh, program standpoint, do you really look at uh, the the team's existence now? Does it kind of shift your strategy at all? Because you know, er- everything regionally speaking is about relationships, mm-hmm. and now. You know, prior to the team being here, um, you know, there was there was you guys, there was SLU, um, you know, it, well, now Linden Woods, D1 as well. You know, but for the most part, you guys were top of the food pile, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> well, now there's a clear cut, you know, <laughs> there's a new new king in town. Yeah. Uh, does, it, does it kind of shift a little bit of the... 
the messaging or the branding, because now you're in MLS city. You know, when you do go to recruit, it doesn't, I, I get, there's not a direct relationship. You're not wearing their crest. They're not wearing yours, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. But does it kind of change the mindset a little bit, knowing that you have a high power program at the D one level in an, in a successful MLS, mm-hmm. MLS market? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's exciting. It's a, it's a, you could call it a recruiting tool in a sense, especially, you know, for some of our internationals that maybe don't know St. Louis area from um, Waukesha, Wisconsin. Especially you know, Edwardsville. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, you show them a picture of that stadium or some <clears throat> clips, it, it certainly helps get some attention. But, you know, it also does get the attention, and, and there's plenty of clubs before St. Louis City that were getting national attention. Um, you know, Gallagher was sending kids all over the place. Yep. Um, but, you know, now when you go to, let's say, a GA Cup event and, you know, Maryland, UCLA, uh, you know, these teams are now really focused maybe more than they were. Indiana obviously always was in Notre Dame. They were always, our regional kind of powerhouses were always looking at this area. But now you've got teams from out of region that are like, oh, it's, you know, DC United or LAFC against St. Louis City. The the players are, it's competition for the recruits as well. But it's yeah, the also, pipeline. So it helps, it helps, but there there comes along with it some challenges and that's just part of it. Um, you know, it's, at the end of the day, it's a huge, it's a huge uh, bonus to have them in, in town and it's exciting for, for recruiting. It's also exciting for our current guys to try to get, one, to go to games is just a fun part of being around here, but also to maybe get some exposure and, and have hopes to be a, a kid who gets a look to, to, to get called to St. Louis City 2 or to the first team on, on a draft day or on a trial or whatever. So, yep. so many cool, you know, little bells and whistles that come along with just having the team around here. Yeah, you know, because it's one of those things, you know, Zach, we, we talk about this a lot, you know, when we go to the game, because most of the time we're both season ticket holders, um, typically make most games if we're not on the road with our own boys. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just, you know, it just occurred to me, like, you know, if your players did go, if there was like, quote, a team outing or whatever, if they had any SIUE uh, representation on their bodies, mm-hmm. you know, can you imagine them walking around the stadium, the amount of SIUE alum, you know, because because it is a magnet of a location, you know, it for is. the OGs. and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, Jared talks about it a lot, and, and JB, you've chimed in on this as well, that for a lot of guys, you know, this is the culmination of those generations you talked about earlier on mm-hmm. in the episode of of all the different people who have kind of built up soccer in this area. And so when you do see, I mean, we talked about with Pat Noonan, <clears throat> you know. Uh, Noonan Army. The Noonan Army. You know, <laughs> having representation at those games is becoming kind of a critical part of who this is too, you know. So yep. having SIUE crests and, 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 and uh swag at those games is, is going to be big and yeah, you're going to run into people who played for SIU. You know, the, the yeah, Ed Gettemeyers of the world. Ed Gettemeyers won. I mean, we have, uh, you know, at these MLS matches, there's these on-field kind of game management people 
So Ed Haneke, former coach, amazing human being. Both his sons uh, also played at SIUE. Uh, he's an on-field kind of game manager with, alongside Chris Carenza, who is uh, was an All-American, scored the goal in the national championship, one of the national championships we won. Um, T- Tim Twelman, he's you know in the front office there. He's an mm-hmm. alum. Um, Here's what what about me. Justin McMillan? Are you guys? J Mac. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I saw he was on the pod a few. Uh, He's uh, he's he's a good old GC boy. Yeah. So um, <laughs> over at, uh, Elite FT. Elite FT. My four-year-old does technical training over there, and I'll say I'll tell you what, Justin does a, an awesome job at Elite FT. So anybody listening, I would highly recommend it. It's it's really cool to see them working with the older players. But for me, when I go there, it's either our team training in that facility in the winter. We use their facility yeah. um, over at TSA, and it's it's uh, great. It's like a mile from our campus. Yeah. You know, that place is another one of those things, kind of lo- along the lines of what we've been talking about. You know, it doesn't matter what corner you go into within this region. When you go into a place like that, Justin's got a tremendous pedigree, mm-hmm. right? He played at, you know, uh, high level collegiately, played semi-pro, played, you know, he's a road dog. But then there's another guy in there that by the name of David Fernandez, <laughs> who is, you know, he's an icon, you know, in in our marketplace. And, and they're right around the corner from you guys. Yeah, so the, yeah. your local kids, like this whole idea, you know, because we were talking about uh, before we came on air in, to- you know, before we started the show. Now is when all the emails are going out for all these families and these kids and what team they're going to get placed on. And this this over expectation or this maybe this uh, false hope or what would you call it, Zach? It's just it's it's a cloudy, cloudy market. But I don't think here's the thing. I'm going to challenge something because I don't think it's a false hope. I mean, you go over to England, you go down into Mexico. The percentage of kids that are playing soccer is significantly high as their lifestyle. Some of them have aspirations. I don't think we should stop kids from wanting to play just because the percentages are low. And no, I know what, you're not saying that. I know you're yeah, not. Yeah, no. What I, what but I, there is a lot of that like, oh, well, yeah, the academies, why would you ever want to go to an academy? Because Well, I, I even want to make it simpler, I, you know, because we hear all the time, why would you want to play for that club? That club does X, Y, and Z, or yeah. you know, or you should go to this club because it's the only club that can provide your kid A, B, and C. And it's all bullshit. It is. At the end of the day, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. You know, in every corner of this market, <laughs> right there in your backyard, you know, mm-hmm. up the bluff in Edwardsville, look, a kid could start at the Glen Ed level, uh, the club there, right? They could get their extra training, you know, you know, at the bottom of the hill, you know, with uh, Justin and his yeah. team. They've, your camps are in the summertime. They can come out and kind of slowly get exposure over the time. Uh, Edwardsville High School is a comp- competitive high school that if the kid is playing, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they wouldn't have to travel further than no. three miles. Yeah. And everyone's got a different pathway and Look, certainly if you want to be a pro, there is a more yeah, right. rapid pathway or I would say a more consistent pathway that's a little more straightforward, but it's not the only one. And not everyone needs to be a pro either, by the way. That's what I'm getting at. I think I watched a video the other day. I can't remember who it was. And he's, he said, you know, there's all these kids out there saying they want to be in the NFL or they want to be in the NBA. Mm-hmm. He's like, I know people that are in the <clears throat> NFL or MLS or EPL. They're up at 4 a.m. working their butts off on their own. Mm-hmm. No coaches, no yeah. trainers. Right. They're outside. They're in the gym. They're doing their own thing. 
those are the guys that kind of separate, you know, that's the cream, mm -hmm. right? But that doesn't mean that you sh still shouldn't try hard. I and mean, my son, my youngest son, Beckett, 11 years old, trying out for a club here in St. Louis. It's a newer club. There were 500 kids at the kick around for a two-year-old club. What? No. Yes. That's called... Wait, two-year-old club or a club for two-year-old? No, two, the club is two years old. Okay. And they had 500 kids at the kick around. Wow. That's exceptional Good social them, media way, marketing. Yeah. It <laughs> is, but it's also indicative of what you guys were talking about earlier, which is the explosion of yeah. youth soccer in this country. And I think it's brilliant. I think it's great. And I think what we have to do as parents is start setting those expectations. And, and not in a... You know, deflating manner, like, oh, well, you're never going to get there. But hey, let's do what you can do. Yeah. And like, let's, we, let's we, try hard in that area. Let's work your ass off mm -hmm. in that area. And if you find success there, if you, like, you, you talked about this, Kale, earlier, well, one of your, your senior players who wrote team rules, mm -hmm. you didn't instruct them to do that. Mm -hmm. Those are the intangibles that separate those greatest players from the really good ones. Yeah. Yep. Two of the things that come to mind with this, like we have a youth camp going on. It's five-year-olds to 13-year-olds. And on the first day, our first staff meeting, one of the things that I made sure to kind of instill in the coaches was the number one goal of this camp, besides keeping kids safe and healthy and whatnot, injury-free as much as possible. We've had some bloody noses, you know. Um, <laughs> Have you regularly been reapplying sunblock so that my we, wife doesn't freak out when he comes home? Yeah, your little guy's covered. I think, <laughs> okay. so. But I, I just want the kids to have fun. Yep. I want them to want to play soccer a month from now yep. or a year from now. And that's the first thing is the experience you're having is relative you could be, you could have the most potential in the world, but if you're not enjoying the game at, let's say you go to a, this high level academy, I'll take a name off of it, XYZ Academy in whatever city in the country. If you go there and you have a bad experience at 11 years old, you could be the greatest potential US player of all time. If you don't want to play when you're 13, it doesn't matter. Exactly. So you, yep. you got to have these kids having fun. It doesn't mean you sit there and, you know, draw pictures all day and do fun games that, you know, you want to, sure. you know, you want to develop. They, yeah. Them. I mean, there's only so much soccer tennis you can play. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, and, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, as a, I'm a coach myself, <laughs> but one of the things that's so important is the in, regardless of what you could be in the best quote unquote club or the worst club, if you have a good coach, a good person, one, yeah. one person can make a difference from a kid's experience for that whole year or their well, I mean, shit, we, career. We had DeMarcus Beasley on two weeks ago. Yep came out of uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Mm -hmm. How many pros do you know other than Jamar and Demarcus Beasley have come out of Fort Wayne, Indiana? Yeah. No, and I, it's it's really about that coach. It's about that experience, about that competition. Right? Which, by the way, he couldn't name any of them. He could not. <laughs> the coaches? <laughs> yeah. That's funny. None of, none of his ODP Sounds coaches. Sounds like DeMarcus. He was super yeah. apologetic. <laughs> Look, they're all going to like, uh, Jared even tried to help him out by throwing a couple out there, but he was like, nah. I'm sure Mike Makovich. Uh, well, Makovich was I'm the one sure, that Jared recommended. I'm sure Maka was his regional team coach. I'm sure. <laughs> um, I do have a, a, a quick question for you. When you were at SVSU, mm -hmm. 
Who was your biggest rival and why was it Wayne State? <laughs> well, Wayne State, uh, <laughs> where my sister uh, went to college, um, great law school, by the way, um, they didn't have men's soccer. So our biggest rival at that time was actually Northwood University, which was 20 minutes away. Okay. So geographically, you could compare it to the SIUE SLU uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. situation. Um, but they were our biggest rival because um, let's just say – the refs in that league at that time, and I don't know if I can still get fined or suspended for this, but let's Go, just let's just try. Let's just say some of those <laughs> games turned into it looked more like American football. Um, oh. But we went out on top. That's all that matters. Um, yeah, no, no. Wayne State didn't have didn't have men's soccer. All right, gentlemen. I believe it is about that time. It is. It, it, and the reason why I'm saying that is because if I don't pick my son up on time, I'm in deep shit. I get it. I get it. I've been there. I've been there. Yeah. Kale, thank you so much, man, for your time. This is, I mean, this has been great. Um, love hearing about the program. Loving, love hearing about the path. Love hearing about captains that do special stuff. Um, and we're going to give you a pass for the Michigan kind of uh, <laughs> the backbone there because, you know, I love the place. I just, I find it like the people that I've met, uh, family and otherwise, right out of Michigan, you guys just have this edge. I don't know if it's the 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 slim shady in you, all of you, mm-hmm. or the Bob <laughs> Probert in all of you. Yep. Uh, but I love it. Um, so really wish you, uh, you know, a tremendous amount of su- success in the season coming up. Um, and um, Zach, as always, you know, you y- you killed it today. Um, Thanks, JB. You brought your notes in. You were I prepared. I was. You were the better of the two. Thanks. Oh, thanks Kim. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> All right. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to roll this out with. Oh, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. No, uh, thank you for the scarves, by the way. Yeah, yeah I absolutely. Like that. Agreed. Let's see. How's this, huh? Oh, yeah. A little Motown. We're going to go old Marvin school Gay. on this one. Yeah. No, uh, thanks for joining us, man. Uh, thanks for two, Urban Chestnut, for allowing us to crash the party yet again. And um, and just keep making that beer, dude. We appreciate all of that. Uh, give us a follow. Have a good evening. And we will talk to all of you next time. You know.